0: 13, 13, beginning in verse 17. And that song we just sang, you alone are our heart's desire. We need to remember that the greatest longing of the human heart really is God. I don't care if someone is a strong Christian or a staunch, a staunch atheist, God is what their heart is longing for. They may fill it with all sorts of other things, seeking to, and it's a bottomless pit though. It never gets fulfilled, it never has that longing satisfied. God is the greatest longing of the human heart. And it's interesting to just know that God exists and just to know that God is in control is not enough to satisfy that longing. Our hearts long for the blessed, glorious presence of God in our lives. We want his presence. We want to know he's right there. You know, we we know this dynamic is is true even among human relationships. Why do we love a knock on the door from an old friend when a phone call would have been enough? Why do our our hearts race when we finally get home to our, our, our significant other? even though we've been texting them the whole time we were away. Why do we let terrified toddlers sleep in our bed for the night when we could protect them just as well from down the hall? I mean, Presence matters. Our our presence matters. It matters to humans. Let me think about it this way. Why do we care when someone special doesn't show up to our birthday party? Like, why why does that even bother us? I mean, for that matter, why do we go to weddings when we're not getting married and to funerals when we ain't dead yet? Because our presence matters. It matters to other people that were there. And it matters to us that other people are there for us as well, their presence. And that human dynamic is but a mere Echo, a shadow, a reverberation of our true longing for the presence of God. He is that present relationship our hearts are longing for, to know He's there and that He is for us, and this is what we desire. Now, humanity has had a bit of a troubled relationship with the presence of God There was a day when God was fully manifestly unhinderedly present with his people And there were exactly two people that got to experience that <laughs> They were Adam and Eve in the garden They walked with God they talked with God they worshiped God face to face and that longing of their heart was satisfied But we know they threw it all away. They chose to sin against God. And so they were cast out of the presence of God. And so began this this human condition of the unfulfilled longing for the presence of God. There's something missing there. Now... Over time, as you continue through the Bible, we see that God does occasionally speak to people. And there are times God might appear to them in a vision or in a dream. I think of Jacob's ladder, right? I mean, God God appears to Jacob while he's out in the the wilderness. And there are even times that God appears to people in some sort of physical, material form. I mean, think about Moses in the burning bush. God appeared to him. But we need to understand that that was just one person at a, at a time. And that is through thousands of years. I mean, I could probably count on, on both hands how many people God spoke to or, or appeared to in any kind of way for thousands of years after the fall. His presence. And then even when he did speak, even when he did appear, it was but brief, and his presence was taken away. Moses didn't stay at the burning bush forever. This is what was going on. Again, the, the presence of God full there in the garden. Then they are cast away from his presence because of their sin. And then God just occasionally, a little, every like few hundred years, I mean, it seems like as you read the Bible, God appears to people or speaks to people, but it's just one person, and it's brief. It, it goes away just as quickly as it came. That was the human experience, even for believers, faithful people, for thousands of years. And we need to feel the weight of that, I think. We need to feel the weight of, of this longing of their heart that, that went unsatisfied for so long for this presence of God, And if we don't feel the weight of that, you won't feel the significance of what we're about to read in Exodus chapter 13 and 14. Because here, especially there at the end of, of chapter 13, God is going to, to do something new and something glorious. What is that? This is number one if you write things in your notes. This new glorious thing is God's presence with his people in a new way. I, I by the way, am thankful that, that um, you know, we, we have Genesis before we have Exodus and, and that we even studied and I preached Genesis before Exodus because to me, this stood out. This was a, a big deal for me when I, when I noticed what happens here in Exodus 13, beginning in verse 17. You can follow along uh, with me. Exodus 13, uh, verses 17, uh, begins with, When Pharaoh let the people go, so this is them leaving Egypt. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Let me just say here, It's interesting, God led Israel. We start to think, well, how did he lead them? Was it just in this spiritual sense? He just kind of led them, or or did maybe he speak to Moses, and that's how he led them? We'll continue. It says, And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly, solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. I'm going to pause again for a second. Again, it's interesting. Joseph, back in the the end of the the book of Genesis, had prophesied that God would visit the people of Israel in Egypt. And and when God visited, they should take the bones. Again, we're just getting these little hints, but things are about to, to get clarified here, beginning in verse 20. Here we go. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Okay, we've just read something amazing, something out of the ordinary for all of humanity ever since the fall. Did you see what it is? God's presence is with his people in a new, glorious way. No longer is God just speaking. No longer is God just appearing to one individual. It says there, He's before the people. He's leading the people. And the people know that this, this cloud, or this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire is God. I mean, they're, they're following it following it around the wilderness. That's not what I normally do. When I see a, a pillar, which never actually happens, a pillar of cloud, like my instinct wouldn't be to be like, I'm just going to follow this out through the wilderness. Like, They know this is God. It's it's quite clear to them. This this pillar is giving them light by night so that they can continue traveling. This is the presence of God. And, and, And significantly, God's presence doesn't just appear to all these people, which that's new. He doesn't just appear to them for a moment. God's presence is remaining with them. You see it there in verse 22. The pillar of cloud... By day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. That's 24-7. That's a, he- a Hebrewic way of saying 24-7. By day, this is how God was with them. By night, this is how God was with them. There, there's not, This is the two extremes. Like God was always with them. And then it says explicitly, God did not depart from before the people. This is God's presence with his people in a new and glorious way. God's presence is leading them. God's presence is guiding them. We even see um, in in the next chapter, uh, verses uh, 19 and 20 of chapter 14, that God protects Israel. It says there, then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. So that's what's going to happen. Pharaoh's going to pursue them. They're going to be trapped between the, the, the Red Sea and Egypt, the, the greatest army in all the world. And, and what does God's presence do? It moves in between the congregation of Israel and the army of Egypt. None, none came toward the other all night, it says there. So God's leading his people. He's protecting his people. This is new. This is glorious. We, we just don't want to miss that when, when something so new and astounding happens in the Bible. This is God's presence with his people in the greatest way since the fall into sin. This is what humanity had been longing for. So, surely now Israel will have their act together. Surely now Israel will be strong and courageous and joyous, right? They have the presence of Almighty God with them. But how do they respond? This is number 2. God's people respond to his presence in the wrong way. God's people respond to his presence in the wrong way. They, they they were fine with God's presence when He's just leading them and everything's going okay. But as we'll see, when they come to an obstacle in front of them, the Red Sea, and when they have a threat behind them, the Egyptian army, they respond to God's presence in the wrong way. You can read along with me in, in Exodus chapter 14. Beginning of verse 1 there. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of pi hi between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Uh, Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him. And took 600 chosen chariots and all of the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and encamped and, and at the sea by Hahiroth in front of Bel zephon This is a big deal. Well, let's see how they respond, beginning in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. That's as far as we'll go right now. So, think about this. Again, chronologically, remember what has just happened for Israel. God has just afflicted Israel's enemies with these miraculous plagues. I mean, the Red Sea turns to blood. I mean, gnats, you know, flies, the locusts, you have the sores, you have the sun blotted out. I mean, this is the same God who has just Freed them from their captors, right? Passover happens and Pharaoh says, I'm not just going to let you leave. I'm going to make you leave. Get out. God made that happen. I mean, this is what God had done. And this very same God is tangibly with them. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. And what do they do when their circumstances turn troublesome? It says there in that passage, they fear greatly. They get angry. What have you done, Moses? Why did you do this? They grumble and complain. They lose all hope. I mean, God is with them. We we really should be astonished by the, how badly they respond while having God's presence with them, and we really should be appalled by their incredible forgetfulness of what had happened like 20 minutes ago, what God had just done for them. We should be appalled by that. But before we go pointing fingers of judgment at Israel, we need to take a long look at ourselves. Well. Israel had God's presence in this new and amazing way. We friends have God's presence in a newer, even more amazing way. After this this season in Egypt that God's there God's presence continues to increase with humanity. Right God God comes down on Mount Sinai. Just This blazing fire and smoke and cloud and thunder. I mean, God comes down in this huge way. Then God tells them to construct a tabernacle, literally a dwelling place for God. Later, after the conquest of Israel, God says, Okay, Solomon can construct for me a temple, and my presence, my glory will be there. Right here in the middle of Israel. Now, there was a season... When God's presence was removed, departed from the temple. But according to the angels, there was one who was born in Bethlehem. His name would be Jesus, but he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with Us, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, again, we talk about the new presence of God, you know, with His people in this new way. Jesus was a very new way for the presence of God to be among His people. God the Son takes on flesh, born of a virgin. He walks with people. He talks with people. He does miracles. He heals people. Can't get any better than that, right? What, what more can we ask for than to have God dwelling with us in, in human form? Listen to the words of Jesus. Uh, John 16, verse 7. This is what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So evidently, according to Jesus, there is an even newer, even greater way that his presence could be among his people than being physically there in the flesh, walking, talking with them. What's he talking about? Well, he'd already told them earlier, this is the same conversation uh, there on, on the bottom of the screen, the same conversation just a little earlier in chapter 14, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. See that word helper highlighted in the yellow? Like, this is the same thing. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it, it ne- neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you And will be in you. Now there's a difference here. You won't won't see this helper. You won't see this Holy Spirit. The the world won't see him, but Christians will. Those who are in Christ will see him. You say, well, how do they see him? We, We see him with the eyes of our hearts. This is what happens. You will it's, and and here, here's an amazing fact, that this pillar was with them. The tabernacle, the temple, that was God with them. Jesus, God in the flesh, was with them. But this presence of God in the Holy Spirit will be in you. He will be in you. And that is the present experience of Christians today. We trust in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The presence of God comes into our lives. We have God with us forever. But you see that, by the way, sixteen, uh, John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. His presence won't depart. Friends, if if we are impressed, if we are excited about this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire, I'd say that is awesome. That was very cool for them, but it does not compare to the presence of God you have if you are a believer today. Does not compare. This presence that we have is better than having Jesus, God in the flesh, with us. It's to your advantage that I go away, Jesus said. And so, with that in mind, because we just kind of did a historical uh, little traverse through, through God's presence in history. With that in mind, how much better do you respond to difficult circumstances than Israel did? Hard times come your way, plans get shattered, someone offends you, you have a threat behind you, an obstacle in front of you, and how do you respond? Are you ever faithless and fearful when the trial comes upon you? I know sometimes I am. Do you ever grumble and complain in the midst of your circumstances? That one kind of hurts me. Do you ever get angry when something or someone seems to be in the way of your happiness? Do you get angry at them? Too many times. We too often respond exactly like Israel did out in the wilderness. They had the presence of God in the pillar. We have the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. I've got to be honest with you. As I, as I think about this, what, what the fruit of, 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 of responding to God's presence badly looks like, fear, this deep anxiety, grumbling, complaining, anger. When I, when I think about that, I'm I'm pretty ashamed. To be honest with you, it gives me lots of reason to, to, to come to God confessing and repenting that I'm not responding to His presence in the right way. But we need a way forward. I, I've learned um, in my own life and, and through teaching and, and all of that that one of the best ways to correct a, a wrong pattern is to show the right pattern. One of the best ways. To take the good path is to watch someone else walk it before you, and that's exactly what God has given us in the person of Moses here. Here in uh, chapter fourteen, beginning in verse thirteen, we'll hear how Moses responds to this lack of faith, this fear, this grumbling, this complaining, this anger of Israel. And remember, there is a sea in front of them, and there is the greatest army in the world behind them. Exodus 14, beginning in verse 13. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only To be silent. Now, I want to point out something. It's not that Moses is naive. Guys, there's nothing wrong. It's not that he's just a natural optimist. Do you remember him at the burning bush? (laughs) God, send someone else, anyone, I don't care. Just don't send me, I can't do it. But here we see him with an insurmountable obstacle in front of them and the greatest threat imaginable behind them, the Egyptian army, he says, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. See, he recognized that God was with them. He remembered what God had done for them. And therefore, he was able to have peace. This is is what should happen. This is number three. God's presence should bring peace. Even in the midst of incredible danger, even in the midst of horrible circumstances, Moses had peace. It's not that he doesn't see the problem. It's not that he doesn't know there's a problem. In fact, it's not that he doesn't know that the problem is a big one. It's just that he sees that there's a bigger God with them. This is awesome. If you've trusted in Jesus, you you could have this same poise and peace that Moses did. I mean, that, that to me is a little bit shocking. Again, Egypt coming behind him. Fear not, stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. There are many enemies that might come up against us in our lives. I think of uh, maybe that that person at work who always keeps coming at you, always opposing you. But it's not just people. I think of that, that enemy named cancer. I think of just all the the sicknesses and troubles and trials, these these enemies that come upon us. And I think about the the obstacles. Maybe maybe it's in your family, in your job, or wherever it comes from, there's this obstacle that's keeping you from going where you need to go and doing what you need to do. So it's real. The reality is there that, that you will face tribulation in this world. But, like Moses... We can recognize that we have the presence of almighty God with us and we can have peace. I think about what Jesus said in uh, chapter John 14, 27. This, by the way, is in the context of him saying, I'm going to send to you another helper. He will be in you. So it's in that same context. He says, peace, I leave with you. Peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? How, how, where am I going to get this peace? Well, peace, by the way, I'd maybe capitalize that second peace. In the context of him saying I'm going to send the helper, the comforter, peace I give to you. That's just a strange wording, my, my peace. That may be talking about the Holy Spirit, just another name for the Holy Spirit, peace I give to you. We have God's presence, so we can have peace. You say, "Okay, J- Jesus said that. That's cool, but but what about in real life? You know, <laughs> I think about Paul, who faced some very real enemies, some very real struggles, and what does he say in Philippians four six? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Not grumbling, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you say guard your hearts and minds, guard guard them from what? Guard them from from losing your faith. Guard them from from anxiety that, that just eats you apart. Guards them from from grumbling and complaining. Guards your heart from anger. The peace of God comes in and guards us from these things. This is what the presence of God does. I I love the old hymn. It says this. Yeah, you can read along, you can sing along with me. (laughs) Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. We can take it to the Lord in prayer, and we can cast our burdens on Him, and we can do it with thanksgiving, and we can receive peace. Because we know He's there. He's listening in our prayer. He's there to answer when we cry out. He's not just out there somewhere in the universe. He's right here in us, working for us. We can have peace. But there's another thing God's presence brings when we respond to it rightly. Hear the words of God and. In Exodus 14, verse 15. So this is right after Moses spoke to the people of Israel. Exodus 14, 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? By the way, the you there is talking about Israel. Moses is representing Israel. The people have cried out to God and they're grumbling and they're complaining. Why do you, Israel, cry to me? And God says this, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Go forward. Do you hear that? I mean, one of the Israelites would be like, God, that's that's a cool idea, but have you looked around? Have you seen our circumstances? There's this enemy behind us, so we can't go that way. There's the Red Sea in front of us, so we can't go that way. How in the world are we supposed to go forward? No, 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 God, we, we can't go forward. We, we just got to sit here. We got to wallow in it. We're going to continue to grumble, complain. We're going to get angry. God says, go forward. This is what God's presence should do. This is the, the second part of number three, by the way. God's presence should bring peace and progress. Go forward, God says. Peace and progress in our lives. What God's saying here is, Israel, I know you don't see a way forward, but I do, and I'm with you. Israel, I know you don't feel like you have the power to to do what, what I'm asking you to do, and you don't, but I do, and I'm here with you. Now, for Israel, God is literally going to make a way where there seemed to be no way, right? God is literally going to part the Red Sea in front of them, dry the ground underneath them, and crush their enemies behind them. Didn't see that coming. These are the people who are, you should have just left us to die in Egypt, you know, like. Okay, I bet they felt a little silly, by the way, at this point of like, oh. Maybe we shouldn't have been so faithless and fearful. Maybe we shouldn't have grumbled and complained. Maybe we shouldn't have got angry at Moses because God just came through for us. We moved forward. God split the sea. We walked across and he crushed our enemies. God, in his presence, helped them to make Progress. But what about us? There's there's always some reason in our lives that we we feel we can't move forward, that we can't make progress. Maybe it's one or two sins that keep beating you down. Say, I struggle with this sin, I struggle with this sin. and, And quite honestly, it feels like there is no hope of defeating those sins. You want me to tell you why? You you feel like you can't defeat those sins? In part, it's because you're afraid. Hear me out. You are afraid of what will happen if you stop controlling your life in that sinful way. You're afraid of what your life will feel like if you remove that sinful pleasure. You, you could overcome that fear, that, that, uh, that sin. You could let go of it. You could let God crush it, but you're afraid. Well, let me tell you, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't be afraid of those things. Don't be afraid of what it will look like if you let go of that sin. Because God is with you. He will take care of you. What you need to do is move forward. What you need to do is fight that sin with all the power and all the resources God provides and you will make progress. I thought I never could be free of that sin. You can because God is with you. Don't be afraid of letting it go. God will take care of you. He will satisfy the longings of your heart and he will give you the power to kill that sin. Maybe it's daily Bible reading. I'll tell you, you will not grow as a Christian if you don't have your face in a Bible. This is just, I won't, <laughs> you won't. God's word is a lamp to our feet. God's word is, is enough to, to change us, transform us. It's living and active, and we got to be reading our Bibles. And, and you say, I know that. I know that. I, I really need to start reading my Bible every day. And you start to say, well, how long have you been saying I really need to do that for? Has it been six months? that you've been saying, I, I know I need to do that? Has it been years that you've been saying, I know I need to do that? You say, well, my, my life right now is just a little chaotic and, and I'm pressed for time. And so when things calm down, then I'll start setting aside time to spend with God and let him speak to me through his word. That, that's when I'll do it, when things calm down. You know why you're waiting to, 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 to start reading the Bible? You're afraid. You're afraid of what will happen if you actually stop your busy life and spend time with God. You say, if, if I let go of, of my life, I'll lose control and, you know, I, might, I won't make the progress that I need in all these areas. Listen, you got God with you. He's going to take care of you. This is the God who can stop the sun in the sky if he wants to, and He does. So fear not and make progress. Move forward. Say, I'm going to just start doing it. I don't see how I'm going to have enough time to start spending spending, my morning or whatever with God in the Word. I don't see how I'm going to have time to do with that, but I'm going to move forward. Just do it. Just set aside a time. Start spending time with God in His Word, and you will make progress. Maybe it's in your relationship with your spouse or with someone else you say i i know the relationship is strained and i know something needs to change well why isn't it i, I would say again in part it's because you're scared you're, you're fearful you're afraid of of what will happen if you start apologizing quickly you'll you'll lose the upper hand with that person in that relationship you'll you'll no longer ever win an argument you say if i if i if i can't do those things then What will I even be? I would just say to you, take peace in God. He is with you and he will take care of you. So you don't need to be scared of those things. You don't need to be scared of looking vulnerable or looking weak because you apologize and because you do kind things. You don't need to be afraid of those things. If you have that peace in God, you can start apologizing. You can start showing honor, outdoing them and showing honor. You can start Returning evil with good. You don't have to repay them. And you can start moving forward. You can make progress in that relationship. I'm telling you, you can. Or maybe the area that you, you don't see away is in obeying God by sharing the gospel. You know that God has commanded us to make disciples. You want to be obedient. You want people to know and to glorify God. You want people to exchange eternal wrath for eternal glory. You want those things. So why aren't we sharing the gospel? Same reason as these other things. In part, it's because we're scared. We're scared of how that other person will respond we're scared of, of messing up the relationship. We're scared of maybe messing up our, our, our job or our ability to move up the, the corporate ladder. If I, if I talk about Jesus, they won't want me up there anymore. And, or it could just be that you're scared of saying the wrong things. Take peace in God and move forward. Start opening your mouth with the good news of Jesus Christ and see the salvation of the Lord. Two of my favorite verses is Acts 1-8 and Romans 1:16. Acts 1-8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Right after this, Jesus ascends. A little while later, Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You can have peace in God that, that doesn't worry about what will happen when you share the gospel, and you can have Progress. You make progress in God knowing that he will give you the power to do what you don't feel like you can do. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what the threats in your life are. I don't know what the obstacles are in your life. But I do know this. If you have Jesus, you have the presence of God, very God, within you. And if you have the presence of God, you can have peace in all circumstances, and you can make progress no matter the obstacles. And so I, I want to invite you, as I, as I close this in prayer, to, to just come to God. Don't, don't forfeit your peace. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Come to God and say, God... I've had this obstacle, I've had this enemy, it's paralyzed me with fear, it's, I, I, I grumble, I complain, I get angry. I need your peace that comes from knowing you're present. I need to make progress because I know you're there to make a way where I don't see a way. So, so I, I'm going to pray, but I just encourage you to do business with God, to commit to working through these things with God. Let's pray. Father God, would you help us even now to see how we respond like Israel did? Would you help us to see the ways that we let anxiety and fear paralyze us? Would you help us to see the different circumstances that cause us to grumble and complain? Throughout the day. And would you help us to see the way we get angry when someone seemingly gets between us and our happiness? God, help us not to act like Israel. Help us not to act like you're not there. God, you've given us your presence if we've trusted in Christ Jesus. And we don't want to ignore that. We don't want to belittle that. We want to glorify your name by the way we respond in the worst of circumstances. Not because we're naturally peaceful people, naturally happy-go-lucky, But because we have the presence and the power of Almighty God. And so, Lord, would you help us now to bring these areas before you where we feel that having fear is okay because it's such a big deal? No, no, no. God, help us to find our peace in you no matter what it is because you're bigger, you're greater than that obstacle, than that enemy. And God, help us to make progress. I know we often don't don't see the way or how we could succeed in these areas, but you do, God. I know we don't have the strength to do these things, but you do, God, and you are with us. God, we give you our lives now to be controlled by you, to be moved and shaped and changed by you because you are with us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.